1: Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk About It with Taylor Nolan. I am your host, Taylor. And today I am in the city of Guelph in Ontario and here for um, a little wedding. Um, My boyfriend, Canada Man, is from Guelph. So um, very awesome and random to also get in contact with the guest that we're going to be speaking with today, um, who was recently on the Babes and Babies podcast and um, found her through, through Liz from my season. And... Um, her Instagram is the bird's papaya, and she uh, speaks a lot about self love and a lot about body positivity as a mom, and it was just very like loved her page and the authenticity behind it. And so now we are sitting on her couch uh with a yeah, dog.
2: <laughs> My dog who might snore throughout yes. this entire episode. <laughs> so just take that as a soothing sound that it is. Yes, absolutely.
1: Um thank you so much for like welcoming me into your home yeah. and for meeting with me today. I'm
2: like I'm so glad this worked out. I, yeah. I find like such cosmic things happen like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like the fact they're even in Guelph. Like when you said like oh I'm actually in Guelph, I was like wait what? Nobody comes to Guelph. Yeah. It's usually like, hey, I'm coming to where you are. And it's like Toronto. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah it's still like a little hike down the road. But Guelph mm-hmm. itself, I'm pretty excited you're here. Yes. Yeah.
1: It's funny. Anytime I'm here, or even like I was in Rockwood, and, you know, I'll see people or I'll get messages on Instagram. And everyone's like, the first question is like, what are you doing here? What is happening? I know. Why are you here? It's like, I'm excited you're here, but like, why? How is, is this happening? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yep, we have a Canon Amanda thing for that. Um, but no, I, I love Guelph. Like we went to the, um, to the storm game. I the saw game. that.
2: Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh. You brave little soul going out on that center. I can't do that. But we ended up on the kiss cam last year too. And I was mm-hmm. just dying. It was funny. Cause like we knew that it might happen. And my husband like goes to the bathroom and like fixes his hair. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> You're taking this seriously. It. This is a thing. But Guelph is like the original hipster. I yes. like it. It's it's such a hippie vibe mixed mm-hmm. with like a lot of people who commute to Toronto. So we yes. have a lot of corporate vibe as well. Mm-hmm. It is such a mix. It's such a beautiful community here yeah. I moved away and I I loved moving away everywhere I've been is always so beautiful but it's nothing I always say it's mm-hmm. like nothing fits quite like a comfy pair of shoes mm-hmm. and that is well for me so yeah. I came back and I've settled here my husband's from I mean 10 hours away and he came here mm. for school and, and couldn't mm-hmm. leave so yeah. there's a, there's something about this place it's quite magical so
1: yeah I had no idea that it would be like hippie how it is and, and oh, very yeah. like hipstery oh yeah. but every time we walk through like the little downtown area I'm like okay this shop is Super cute. Oh my God, we need to go into this coffee shop. Like everything is just totally my vibe. And I'm like, I love it. Local is so
2: important here. Mm -hmm. Local, organic, like a lot of little shops thrive here. Mm -hmm. I remember there being like a massive battle when like Walmart came into town because they were like, no, Walmart, (laughs) yes. Say no to big box. And I was like, no, no, like we'll be fine. And it's true because at the end of the day, we still like to support local more Mm -hmm. than anything. So
1: yeah. Yeah. And so so you were born and raised here. And now, I mean, you have a like great following on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious how that's
2: all kind of came about for you. Oh, it's the wildest thing because Mm -hmm. I was actually, I had just moved back home Mm -hmm. and I was using Instagram like everybody else did, posting random selfies with like those weird blue filters and pics of my kids. And that was Mm -hmm. fine and good. And I had something happen that was kind of like... It was a catalyst into the next part of my life, which the next chapter I would say in terms of online and in real life mm-hmm. where somebody posted a picture of me that broke my spirit in a mm-hmm. way that I was just so thrown on. I was really woken up to, I call them light bulb moments, but mm-hmm. I was really woken up to kind of like where my body was at and mm-hmm. I hated myself and mm-hmm. it was like this massive recognition of you know, you see this photo of yourself and you're just like, I didn't even recognize who that was. Yeah. But I also wasn't giving grace to myself in that season either. And we'll get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But I, through that, through recognizing that I wasn't really participating in my kids' lives as a mother, mm-hmm. I was so ashamed of my body that it was actually changing yeah. who I was as a person. Um, I was sitting at 225 pounds
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I was in my mid-20s mm-hmm. and with three kids, stay-at-home mom, and I was just folding. I was I was losing it mentally, yeah. physically and I wanted to change it. So mm-hmm. I started exercising and I started, you know, counting calories that's the only thing I knew how to do yeah. and I thought All of these things, it's going to change my life. And I so believed that. And it was this massive transformation and the internet loved me for it. So I started, I got reposted. My before and after photos went all over the place. Mm -hmm. It was this huge, big thing. What I didn't recognize was that it was actually starting to feed into this mentality of, as I perfect myself, I get more mm-hmm. um, congratulations yeah. and this you and get that. that. Positive and reinforcement, of course, but mm-hmm. I wasn't really seeing it at the time. So uh, through that whole season, which was over the span of a couple of years, I was personally going through a lot of change as well, which was leaving a marriage of eleven mm-hmm. years, moving yeah. in with my parents with my three kids in tow at age thirty. Yeah. I mean, humbling experience to say the least. Yeah but it was necessary for that part of my life and Mm -hmm. and healing. And when I did that, I I slipped a little bit underweight as well. I shouldn't say a little bit. I was 114 pounds and I'm 5'8. So I yeah. was underweight from my frame. I was barely eating because I was so stressed out. Mm-hmm. And yet the congratulations continued. Yeah. And I was that in that moment, I kind of woke up and went, Hold on, what? Like I'm not healthy at all. This is mm-hmm. no longer can I claim I took back my body and I'm healthy now mm-hmm. and all of these things. And And then I had to go through the awkward stage of exiting diet culture, exiting yes. everything that I was creating and everything I was doing with my body Mm -hmm. and I had to reverse it. Mm -hmm. Sorry, those tippity-tappity toes. (laughs) Um, It's okay. So... I couldn't figure out how to do that because everything online was like talking about eating disorders. And I was like, well, I don't have that. And I don't have this. And I didn't really know where to find myself because I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm not in a weight loss stage anymore, but there's no lessons on how to kind of move forward in your life and move Mm -hmm. past those things. So I felt very lost in that. But I started to share about it. And I started to realize that the more vulnerable I was, the more freedom I was having in Mm -hmm. those posts, as scary as they were. And I mean, they were tiny little posts at first. like They were very curated, just a little tiny bit of what I was willing To offer the world, but they started to free me into Mm -hmm. something bigger, a lot more conversations about what was really going on, a lot more mental health talks, Mm -hmm. just allowing myself to journey through whatever it was that I was journeying through. And Mm -hmm. I thought with everything that my following was there for, they were there for, you know, weight loss, and they were there for, you know, now my single motherhood journey. Were they going to be there for me doing this, which was essentially gaining weight and talking about it and freeing myself from a lot of body shame. Yeah, And uh, I never would have thought that that actually would be my greatest work that Mm -hmm. I think so far it has caused Mm -hmm. some major blessings in our life. I now do this full time. I, you know, between Instagram and writing and freelance writing and podcasting and doing all of the things that are oh so lovely on the internet, Mm -hmm. um, sharing my story has been such an amazing thing and I never, ever could have expected it. So
3: yeah. Yeah. So I just want to pause for a brief minute here to ask our listeners here a question, Um, slightly off topic, but... I know I've talked a lot about like the food that we eat and caring about those ingredients and some somewhat also with the beauty products that we use. Um, and I want to ask our listeners if you apply that same kind of care to your feminine care products. Um, I, for one, don't want to mess around when it comes to that. And the FDA actually doesn't require brands to disclose any kind of comprehensive list of ingredients that are actually in feminine care products. So most companies just don't, um, which to me, is a huge red flag. So I've talked about Lola on the podcast before and really want to drive this home for you guys that ingredients in your feminine care products really matter. And Lola offers complete transparency about the ingredients that are in their tampons, their pads, their liners, and their wipes. And their products are 100% cotton with no added materials, fragrances, synthetics, or any kinds of dyes. It's just all unnecessary ingredients in those products anyway. Um, And not only that, but it's also actually a subscription that you can get delivered to your door. So it's super convenient. And most importantly, ladies, it's made for women and it's founded by women. So... There's just that extra bit of care that goes into it that they can relate and they know what we're going through. Um, So right now for you guys, uh, you can get 40% off of all subscriptions if you visit mylola.com and enter Taylor when you subscribe. Again that's 40% off of all subscriptions so um, you can do like a monthly subscription, you pick your uh, product type, your absorbency, your quantity, the frequency. It's very tailored to your needs and whatever you need during your time of the month. Um, so please, please, please check out Lola. I absolutely love them. And anytime I'm in a store or two, like I'll look and see if they have them, Um But yeah, their subscription is also super incredibly handy. Um, I've done both and I have absolutely loved using them. I feel safe and I feel super comfortable. So again, for 40% off of all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter Taylor when you subscribe. And now that I've got that in your ear, we can get back to the show.
1: I really love how you pointed out that it was just these very small baby steps into being vulnerable. Because I think a lot of people, when they want to be vulnerable or or when they want to really own their story, they feel like it has to be this really big, like, you know, complete tell-all of everything. Of course. And it's like, well, yeah, of course, that would be terrifying. And isn't always what you need to do to, to have that connection or to feel seen. And I think taking those small little steps of like, Sharing what feels comfortable and yeah. um, slowly taking steps outside of your comfort zone and what you share um, can help really kind of fully develop that. And I mean, that's a it's scary to be vulnerable just in of itself, but then to be vulnerable yes. like about your body too yep. as a woman, I think, um, is a whole other level of scary.
2: It is, and it's and it's so it's so funny to me because here I am, nine years postpartum, and I'm completely connecting with this community of women who are really struggling with their new bodies. And I'm like, you know what? It took me nine. Oh gosh, the dog is completely attacking you right now. (laughs) I'm getting dog kisses all over my face now. Oh my gosh, puppy. Okay, sit down. She is the cutest She's literally like, like I swear she would be such a good, like, emotional <laughs> wellness dog because she's like, Do you need yes. love from me? Because I'm here for it. If anybody cries, she's like immediately on you. Oh
1: my goodness.
2: Okay, Veda.
1: <laughs> she is so cute. Anyway, can't
2: take it. She's gonna be sitting in my lap. She is, yeah. So now they're gonna have full blown snores happening. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Um, <laughs> Okay. But yeah, I, the one thing that I think a lot of people, when they're on a self love journey, like, I'd love to be where you are. How do I get mm-hmm. there? And to be honest, the most important thing that I've ever learned was just allowing yourself the time to do yeah. it. It's not a race. This mm-hmm. is not a race. This is a lifelong journey. And it looks so different for everybody. And we have to validate where everybody's at. So, yes, in the beginning, there were people that were able to show their full, vulnerable selves. And I was giving like an inch. And that was everything for me. Yeah. And that was valid. This is not the Pain Olympics. We're not in competition with each other. Mm -hmm. Everybody's on their own journey and it looks so differently for everybody. And for me, a lot of it was really peeling back the onion layers of what my self-hate was rooted in. Mm -hmm. And once I started to kind of discover that and own those little pieces, they kind of released themselves away from me. Once I started to understand that my body was not ruined by children, was not Mm -hmm. ruined by life and by weight loss, it was actually, these were all markers of good things. Like Mm -hmm. it was all indicative of my body doing a good job and i was yeah. so stuck on thinking how come i look like this and everybody else looks like that my body failed me instead of looking at the children around me mm-hmm. looking at my body with appreciation for you know coming through some major changes and just appreciating all that it was instead of all that it was not mm-hmm. so you know it's still very intimidating i think to post pictures of yourself on the internet and open your like it's like it's like giving your wound that is healing and putting it in the center of a circle of opinion Mm -hmm. and that is always a little bit hard but what I've realized true is that when you're doing something like that you also have really close you have a really close truth that you hold to your heart Mm -hmm. and when you do that it's it's so much easier to share it mm-hmm. and people might challenge it and they might you know feel uncomfortable with it but they can't change what is your truth cuz you're yeah. the only one that has it so mm-hmm. i don't know it's been it's been such an interesting lovely experience and it's caused me to really change the way i experience social media as well yeah It's taken me from, you know, what am I putting out there? What am I, everything that I'm following, you know, if it's not inspiration and if it's not, uh, yeah, if it's inspiration or some sort of an escape from reality, Mm -hmm. those are the two things that I love to follow. There are people's Instagram posts that I will never be able to aspire to where they're traveling families all over the world, but I'm so... I'm so in love with it because it's such an escape from my reality. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that now too. But I had to unfollow a lot of accounts as well. The Mm -hmm. ones that triggered bad thoughts and the ones that triggered kind of disordered eating thoughts and Mm -hmm. diet culture conversations or ones that I couldn't even explain why they made me feel bad about myself, but it was important to recognize that they did. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 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 I mean, I, I've i gone through that You know,
1: almost every time I do end up going through that black hole of scrolling through my feed, it's it's like, is this making me feel good? Like, am I excited about this post that this person's making or am I comparing myself to them now? And am I feeling like I'm not enough? Yeah. Um, it's like that's... I,
2: I heard somebody call it this once, but it's like a social media hangover. Mm-hmm. And I love that reference because when you think yeah. of it like that, it, it is that when I put my phone down, do I feel like, yes, I'm so inspired to take on the day. I feel so good about myself everything I've taken in mm-hmm. has added value to my day? Yeah. Or do you feel exhausted and like really self-deprecating? Mm-hmm. Then we really need to reflect on what we're taking in because social media mm-hmm. does not need to be a bad thing. It can yeah. be such a beautiful complement mm-hmm. to our lives. When I was in my season of single motherhood, if it wasn't for that community online, I wouldn't have had one because yeah. I didn't have anybody in my personal world that was going through what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And then right into being a blended family, like when I got married, having those people that could kind of journey that part of it mm-hmm. with me it's been so important to kind of find those people along the way and, and really mm-hmm. connect. And I've seen the same for my daughter, the things that she has connected with in the communities that she's found on social media. Mm-hmm. Incredible. yeah, Incredible. Yeah. yeah,
1: because now you are... I mean, this is like a very... Um, a very new way that families are experiencing social media and to have your kids are 13, 11 and 9 yeah. and so um now with this kind of being your full-time job of like mm-hmm. how they interact with social media and how they how they kind of see that maybe differently from being in a family where social media is just like uh,
2: not a job. <laughs> it's not a job. I, I always try to remind my kids that whether if you have one friend, you're an influencer. Mm-hmm. If you share anything about your life, you're an influencer. Whatever you're doing in your days, you have influence mm-hmm. and have responsibility around that. Yes. I, I don't feel like I did along the whole way, but that was part of my journey. And they're kind of in this new curve of understanding it and creating safety and guidelines and mm-hmm. boundaries for themselves. And yeah. I'm kind of walking alongside them with that. But when it comes to me, I think it was a little weird for them, but they're also mm. so proud and yeah. i love that part about it too mm-hmm. i can't when i when i look at what i'm creating now and i think about my daughters and my son reading mm-hmm. it i feel good about that yeah. i feel like i this is what i want them to be mm-hmm. reading this is what i want them to be participating in on social yeah. media i want to change the fabric of the society that they are going mm-hmm. to be participants and players in
1: yeah and now i mean i would imagine that More typically, the kinds of captions and things that you share on your social media would be things that people would typically probably share with their friends or maybe even their therapist Um, and for this then to also be something that you're sharing with your kids is like Mm -hmm. a whole other level of being vulnerable Um, I'm curious if you have like those conversations with them um, off of social media like if that's something that you do share
2: yeah we do Um, my one daughter in particular has gone through a lot of body issues in the last few years just from teasing Mm -hmm. at school Mm -hmm. she's going through like essentially puberty and now that's being discussed openly where there's Talking about her chest or making fun of her bra or calling her fat, and I'm like, Mm. how do we? We call, you know, our home is a safe place. We don't have diet culture here. We really encourage our bodies. We we've changed our language. When I was losing weight, they didn't actually know about it. I was Mm. very private about it. But since then, there's been things like we no longer have scales in the home, or when I take them for a doctor's appointment, I ask for them to face away from it. I'm really trying to like change the way Mm. that you know, if I've changed as a person and what I'm presenting online, I really want that same presentation Mm -hmm. to be in our home. Um, Along with that, it's been really interesting because my kids are older. So they're also Mm -hmm. of the age of consent. And I've talked about this a few times before, but they have full choice to be a part of it or not. So I often allow that to be part of the conversation. Like, do you want to participate in this? Is this something you would like to Mm do? And they're usually pretty supportive, but they're also preteens, So sometimes they're like, ah, no thanks. (laughs) And I respect it. (laughs) However, if it's anything that as a family I'm earning or they're like they're participating in and we're earning from it, mm-hmm. I actually give them a cut of that. So and, yeah. and same as if they're creating the content, if they're helping mm-hmm. take the picture or mm-hmm. in the picture, they get creative authority over mm-hmm. that as well and they're paid for it. I want yeah. them to understand that there is worth in this and that they are they are active participants in investing in what has, you know, our life has become somewhat of a brand and a business yeah. even though I I I like to not consider it like that. Mm -hmm. It it is. So um, they understand it. I've really tried to wire them to understand that this isn't us out there making money Mm -hmm. and like capitalizing on a following. This is us taking the opportunity to be supported in what I'm doing for free, Mm -hmm. have brands come alongside that we we love and that we support, to support us back so that I can continue on to do what it is that I'm doing. Yeah. and otherwise your... it would be, un... yeah, it would be hard to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like sharing like your guys's authenticity and sharing, yes. um, yeah, I think just showing up as a family as a whole and yeah. letting that be seen as a, as a positive thing that can then help you feel more connected to, to your community, whether it's online yeah. or in person. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm curious if we can touch a, a little bit. I um, know you said that you were married for eleven years. I was. Previously. Yeah, I got married at nineteen. Yeah, I was a baby, and yeah. I had all
2: three kids by the time I was twenty-five. So
1: <laughs> yeah, so you were like a very young mom. Um, I was. My yeah, my mom had me like three weeks after she turned twenty. Oh
2: my um, gosh!
1: Yeah. So do you love
2: having a young mom though?
1: Um, it has its pros and cons. Yeah, you kind of <laughs> um, grow up together. Yeah, you do and like the the typical parent child roles are definitely like flipped occasionally yes. and um you know she didn't get to experience her 20s like mm-hmm. most people get to and so it's almost kind of like now in her
2: 40s she gets to experience that. Yeah. I went through that for a hot second. I didn't even have like I didn't even I don't even think I got like tipsy drunk until I was 30 and I was yeah. like I couldn't find my line cuz I was like guys I've never done this like I I could I could have like three drinks and be completely wasted. Mm-hmm. And And then you were like, there's no proper hangover that a mother can ever have because Mm -hmm. you're still waking up at 9 a.m. the next day with all the kids. So Mm
1: -hmm. yeah, bit of a curve. Yeah. 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 What was that like for you? I mean, having three kids under the age of 25, I mean...
2: It was wild, and I mean, I was a stay-at-home mom. My mm -hmm. husband at the time was was working, and we only had one car. We were pretty low income, but we managed really well with that. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of aspects of that season of life that really have carried through with me. Um, Just even the kids, how we love thrifting and Mm -hmm. we love, you know, repurposing furniture. I I was gonna. uh, 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 Oh oh uh, uh, oh! Did we something happen? Oh, Uh, oh. Sorry. Pup
1: was sitting on the mic cord for a second and couldn't hear anything, but we're back. We're and, back. <laughs> um, you brought up thrifting and that was actually yeah. something I wrote down in my notes because oh my you had gosh. a whole highlight yeah, on your I do. Instagram about thrifting and I'm from Seattle. So it's like thrifting is her thing. Is that a thing? Oh, oh my gosh. So I need to come to
2: Seattle. Yeah.
1: I mean, Macklemore from Seattle and he has the whole
2: song Thrift Shop. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, Seattle's huge Stop in thrifting. Oh, but I didn't even know that. Yeah. Uh, um, does that mean that everybody goes there and it's very picked over? Or is it just like, it's actually no, pretty good? so
1: many thrift, sh- thrift stores and consignment shops and like I think I saw you post about Value Village yeah Value Village is my fave yeah we have a ton of Value Villages
0: I love
2: mm-hmm. that okay that's like gonna be on my next list of places to go it's weird that you say Seattle because it's been even the one brand that I consult for Nixwear they're doing a pop-up shop in Seattle and I was like wait what like and then there's like I don't know I one of my favorite like fashion influencers like Brie Shepard she's in Seattle yeah. and I'm always like oh Seattle looks so cute Yeah, need to go there Maybe it's like in my radar for a reason. Yes. Well, and I
1: mean, it has a little bit of that like hipster vibe as well that Mm -hmm. you guys have here in Guelph. So I feel like, I feel like you would vibe Seattle. I need to
2: see it. Yes. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I do love thrifting. It's something Mm -hmm. that, like I said, it carried through from when I was lower income to, Mm -hmm. you know, more middle income, whatever. I don't even care about labels, but yeah. Um, I love it. I think it's really taught us a lot. It's it's also really helped us to not hold on to things. We're really good at donating things back and yeah. recycling our clothes. When I was actually in my season of weight loss, that's that's what I used to do. Is I used to sell off and consign away mm-hmm. my clothing that was from one size, and then I would go and I'd use that money and I'd mm-hmm. go thrifting and I buy all new seasons of stuff. And it was so good because there was no um, like it felt really responsible about the money mm-hmm. that we did have and the kids like they now like they get new stuff they get used stuff and yeah. it doesn't phase them either way mm-hmm. it kind of strips away this idea that like thrifting is something to be ashamed of yeah and, or that it's like dirty and I'm like no yeah. I absolutely love thrifting yeah. so much and it's important like I, I love buying a new pair of pants like just like anybody else but I think it's also important to represent something else on social media as well where mm-hmm. it's not always just you know oftentimes even when I'm experiencing and I'm looking and I'm like I can't really afford a $300 pair of jeans and yeah. a $500 sweater, it's totally okay if that's what everybody else is is rocking. But I I really do love honoring the income that we have and it's a really fun way to balance that out. So I like to represent that as much as I can so that anybody Mm -hmm. who's experiencing being on social media that they can get inspired for things that even don't really cost a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. I, I very much appreciate that. And I think it also helps eliminate waste and Yeah. All I kinds know of that's things. such a bonus to all of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's so lovely. Like the amount of when you realize how much are going to landfills or even just how much are sitting yeah. in our homes. Mm-hmm. I'm really bad for that. Like I yeah. have a, I'm going gutting my closet right now, just going through things. So I'm like as much as I maybe appreciated this piece for a time, I can mm-hmm. let it go now and let it be amazing for yeah. somebody else. Sometimes I cycle it through my sister first or a friend first and then the rest of it goes to Value Village and mm-hmm. and it's a really great way for me to kind of use some of the blessings that we've had and yeah. a lot of the things like you know realistically if you're on Instagram a lot of people mm-hmm. like to send you things and it's yeah. lovely but I also mm-hmm. like to share those blessings back and yeah. you know do, donate as much as we can.
1: Yeah that's so beautiful. Yeah, um, And a lot of what you've shared on social media and how we've how you 've kind of explained um, how your growth and your brand has developed has been through sharing um, your body transformations and i'm curious if you can touch a little bit on um, what that was like since you did have kids so young um, of you know your relationship with your body before
2: kids and your relationship with your body after kids oh it's like okay it's funny because I don't a lot of times people look at their bodies after they've had kids and they're like I just wish I could go back mm-hmm. to that. And that that's an often a recycled thing that we hear is you know bounce back, bounce back, bounce yeah. back. But the problem is I didn't really love myself before kids. Okay, I yeah. loved being pregnant. Pregnancy mm-hmm. felt like a complete, I don't know, people open doors for you. Everyone says mm-hmm. how beautiful and glowing you are. And then you go into feeling like a bowl of jelly and it's yeah. really weird. Everything's very squishy and it's 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 an awkward season. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggled a lot. I used to no word of a lie. I remember at one point there was a picture that my sister took of my stomach when I was pregnant and I had a few bright red stretch marks. I mean, barely any. And I was reduced to tears over those, mm-hmm. and I was like, "It's such an interesting perspective now to look back on that." Not knowing that I would get a hundred more, not knowing that you know my third baby would be nearly ten pounds, there would be yeah. so much more to come, and yet here I am, nine years later, after all of that. And they're like my pride marks. Like mm-hmm. I'm so proud of them, but I didn't yeah. actually see that that was possible because mm-hmm. all I saw was that you know even my sister, my sister has six kids, she doesn't mm-hmm. have a stretch mark on her stomach. I'm just yeah. like how like this doesn't even make sense to me. But once I I just had to make it my own journey and 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 really reflect on I don't really recall a time that I ever really felt amazing about my body. And I think mm-hmm. when we identify that in our in our stories, we always are thinking like if I could just go back to that, then I'll feel yeah. better. But the fact is, back at that, we probably didn't feel great about ourselves then either. Mm-hmm. And and because i went through this massive weight loss at 114 pounds, I didn't feel great about myself either. In yeah. fact, I probably hated myself more than when I was 225 pounds mm-hmm. because now it was like I had such targeted hate. Mm-hmm. I went from an all over hate of my body to very targeted. I could see the tiniest jiggle, the little bit of stretch marks, a little bit of cellulite or you mm-hmm. know, a little bit of whatever and I started targeting it. Yeah. I used to like jokingly say like, oh, if you just like work out in the mirror, not even jokingly, I was very serious. Mm-hmm. But, like I'll work out in the mirror because if I see something jiggling, That I know that that's what I need to work out more. You know what? Everything's going to jiggle. Like Mm -hmm. that's how skin works. That's how our bodies work. Like that's kind of reality. And I was so falsified in that. And Mm -hmm. journeying through that, I'm recognizing, you know, that we don't have to be in this box of what society has told us a woman's body Mm -hmm. needs to look like, especially after kids. Mm -hmm. It's highly pressurized. There's there's usually two points that I think women are most pressurized with their bodies and that is their wedding day Mm -hmm. and having a baby. Yeah. If you go on Pinterest and even scroll, looking at like wedding shower ideas, up will pop up an ad that says, you know, um, how to lose weight before your wedding and yeah. all of these different pressure points that mm-hmm. we get. And then you have a baby and you're not even clear to work out or or do mm-hmm. anything and you've got to eat to kind of nourish this baby. And it's just everywhere. The yeah. postpartum messages are so conflicting. And for mm-hmm. some, they they get this, you know, what a lot of people call the bounce back and, mm-hmm. But more, I like calling it a bounce forward. Like you're, yeah. you're not that body anymore. You're actually so much more. You've, you've done something so incredible mm-hmm. and you've brought life into this world. And, and that is so amazing. Now there's also something to note because this is something I've heard a lot lately. There's a lot of women who experience the appearance of a postpartum body mm-hmm. who have never had a child. And mm-hmm. it's really difficult for them because they're not seeing themselves identified in other women's bodies unless they've had a child. And then yeah. they have all these, these notions around them where like, they're my honor mark and this is my body of pride because it brought Mm -hmm. life into the world. And they're like, well, what about me? And so I think it's important. I I can't represent that because that Mm -hmm. isn't my story, but I think it's important for those that have to share that story when you feel comfortable and be vulnerable about Mm -hmm. it. That is such an unrepresented area of the woman's body is those who kind of do have stretch marks or do have Mm -hmm. like loose skin and they've never had that child or had that experience and they need need validation as Mm -hmm. well. So I'm really hoping over the next few years as we've seen with the post yeah. the rise of the postpartum body and the rise of like just realism on social media that we'll mm-hmm. start to see more representation of all the bodies yeah
1: yeah and one thing i find very interesting um you were just you were on the cover of today's parents mm-hmm. um which was absolutely beautiful um and very exciting so very congrats exciting. on that thank you um but that you know on their thing it's like we love mom bod yeah and like Dad's bod has been so popularized and I know. Like almost sexualized in a way
2: too. But like it's you don't so ever true. hear
1: people talking about a mom bod.
2: No, and it's so true. And it in and- you know, even with the dad bod thing, which is important to talk about they're often not even dads, and we still honor mm-hmm. kind of the dad yes. bod, so in that same time, we kind of need to glamorize the mom bot a little bit too, so even that women that don't have children can be like, yeah, I've got a mom bod, and I rock mm-hmm. it you know I mean, I mean mom jeans are the coolest thing right yeah. now, so if mom jeans can be cool mom mom bods can be cool, yeah. I think it's coming whatever like mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's such a transitional time, and mm-hmm. you know it's it's so interesting to me when I think about why it is that we ever ended up in a place where we thought we had to look all one way yeah. and you realize that we've been you know I like to I like to be a little bit serious about this but you mm-hmm. know we come from a bit of an oppressed society mm-hmm. we've come from a we've come from a society where there has been such a mold that we're all supposed to fit into and yeah. a lot of times it's been male led It's a little bit of a rebellion and of a feminist rebellion, too, when we kind of take that back and we Mm -hmm. say, you know what, you're not going to oppress my body and make me feel like I have to be this to be beautiful. You don't have to, there is no longer one type of beautiful Mm -hmm. face. There's no one type of beautiful skin color or body. There are Mm -hmm. so many women who are going through so many different things, and there's beauty in all of it. There's Mm -hmm. so many facets of it. Same with, like, if you look outside, it's not that, like, you could see a garden of flowers Mm -hmm. and they're all so beautiful. And so is that growing pepper. Like, Mm -hmm. there's all, there's so much beauty in so many different diverse ways. And I've really had to work on this lately Mm -hmm. because... I recognized a while ago that I was only following people that kind of looked like me. Yeah. And and I didn't really even think about that until mm-hmm. it was kind of pointed out to me. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not following a lot of women who have disabled bodies. I'm not following mm-hmm. a lot of you know single dads to hear their conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm not following a lot of people of color. I'm mm-hmm. not following a lot of plus size women. Yeah. These were the people that I needed to connect with and hear their stories yeah. to bring more awareness, not only to myself, mm-hmm. but so that I could be a creator with them in mind as well. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also important too because I mean,
1: as a white blonde woman, I think mm-hmm. that is what most of society has told us is beautiful. Yes. And that is that that is beauty. And I think even for me, you know, even when I go through my feed, it's like everything yep. that is being pushed at me, even in my explore feed, is other white blonde women. Yep. And in the last um year or so, I'd say. I've been very intentional about actually making sure that I do follow people that look like me that I can relate to because I think I think you know there have been several studies where even uh, people of color have um, have essentially favored uh, people that are white because that has been the that has been the norm That's and that norm. has been you know what's been told is is beautiful and what is mm-hmm. smart and all of that and so I think even as someone that's not white, that most of what they are following is that kind of stereotype. And I think it's, it's very wonderful that you are taking that step to make sure that you're seeing other people's stories that you can keep that in mind when creating your content, because I think that can be so triggering for other people. Like I know for me, when all I'm following is white blonde women who, you know, have this like very certain aesthetic, like it doesn't make me feel good about myself. I can't see myself in it at all. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, you know what does that say about me? Like, does that still make me beautiful?
2: Like it's, it's confusing. It's, yeah. It causes a comparative nature. And it's mm-hmm. funny because like I, I really had to recognize that I have privilege. I yeah. have a lot of it. I am a, you know, still thin identifying woman, mm-hmm. regardless of my, the body positive movement was not necessarily made for mm-hmm. someone like me. Um it doesn't say that I can't create conversation in it, but I do know that I'm still a relatively thin woman. I am mm-hmm. a white woman and I am blonde. I am very aware. And of mm-hmm. the privilege that I have which is why I think it's so important yeah. to just intake all the information and the different stories from mm-hmm. other perspectives and you know what it's un- uncomfortable yeah. I've learned how uncomfortable it is because a lot of us are so worried about getting it mm-hmm. wrong they're like I yes. don't, I don't want to offend anybody mm-hmm. and that and that's okay but I think that yeah. what the every conversation I've had especially with women of color they're like we just want you to care mm-hmm. we want you to listen and we want you to take a seat and yeah. listen and, and know to like, that, yeah. be okay with being uncomfortable be because o- be so okay often with being people of color are uncomfortable and don't really have a say in that. Yeah. So and like, like- I'd, rather, I'd rather be in a place of learning mm-hmm. and potentially getting it wrong than yes. sitting back and saying, I'm too scared to say mm-hmm. anything you know what? I have privilege, and I'm going to take it and run. Privilege yeah. is an opportunity. Just like we have, you know, one of the biggest things I've said in terms of like body positive movement, especially for postpartum, I'm like women are going to do a lot of things, mm-hmm. but even more so is going to be the ones with privilege. And for that, that's men, mm-hmm. and men need to be the leaders in honoring women's postpartum mm-hmm. bodies if we're going to see more of a change. Same mm-hmm. with what we've seen in the corporate world: men were obviously there first; um, they were a lot more recognized; they have a lot more privilege in that. But it also has taken men Mm -hmm. opening those doors, inviting those people to, Mm -hmm. those women to sit at the table and creating that opportunity. And there is privilege in so many different degrees. And I so recognize mine and Mm -hmm. why it's been really, really important for me to understand other sides of it. And also like, it's been really important for me to follow a lot of women, especially in the plus size community, Mm -hmm. um... Because I really struggled with fat phobia after my weight loss, mm-hmm. and I realize now how wrong that was. Because yeah. they're so beautiful and healthy, mm-hmm. looks different on so many different bodies, and yeah. I was so misled with that. Um, so it's been really, really important for me mm-hmm. to kind of like intake their messages and intake their confidence and realize that like weight is not essentially what defines us in this world. Like yeah. there's so much more than that, and mm-hmm. and they've they've taught me a lot. Even like yesterday, as simplistic as this is, I asked in my. Instagram stories about you know what dining chairs that I that mm-hmm. people liked between these two different ones I was looking at, and somebody wrote to me and they said, "If you have any plus size friends, I go with this one because there's no arms on it, and if you want them to feel comfortable and like they can sit down at the table, yeah. that's something to consider." And I was like, "Thank you no, for yeah. saying that," because it, just outside of our own awareness is somebody else who's walking into a room and seeing a mm-hmm. chair that they might not be able to sit in. Yeah, I mean, I want people in my home to enjoy themselves and to sit down comfortably. Mm-hmm. And that woman, you know, if she's listening, I hope she is, but. Mm-hmm. She created an awareness in me that was really important for me to hear. And so Mm -hmm. I think the more that we allow these healthy challenges and these healthy, awkward sometimes conversations they can be really beautiful. It can really lead us to somewhere completely yeah. different, which I love.
1: Yeah, and I, I very much appreciate the emphasis on, um, you know, your weight is not necessarily a reflection of your health. No. Um, that I think we are very much conditioned that, you know, if we are slim and toned, that we are healthy and that yes. that is a healthy, beautiful body mm-hmm. when in reality, that can actually actually be super unhealthy. Yeah, um, And that someone who might be what you would consider overweight could actually be in their healthiest weight. Absolutely. Um, And I actually saw something, I think it was like last week or something on Instagram. And it was saying how, you know, the BMI was created in whatever year history by like a white man. So it's like, like that doesn't always apply to women of color, to uh, women who are just kind of naturally thicker Mm -hmm. um, and to kind of really keep that in mind. And I- I was like, "That's a
0: great it's crazy." Point.
2: And you know what? It's so funny because, like, the woman's body is so different. We have pockets of fat in different places than men do. Mm. I remember being fourteen and joining a gym in my mall and they actually pinched the fat on my body and measured how much I needed to lose. And I was 14 no. years old. I mean, that stuff stays with you. Like that whole pinch an inch thing, That's that was so a crazy. measurement, isn't that? But that was like totally normalized. That's how, That was your entry point into a gym. Yeah. Now it's funny because I'm into like weightlifting now. And mm-hmm. he. I remember my first day there, he was like, now you're not going to want to weigh yourself because it's actually going to go up. I'm like, I actually, for the first time, don't care. Yeah. I don't weigh myself, so I'm okay. But it's really cool to be doing now an exercise Exercise that you know will mm-hmm. increase your weight and it 's all about strength building you yeah. walk in and there 's such a diversity amongst bodies. Uh, I have a, this one this one friend Meg Boggs, and she 's so empowering in terms mm-hmm. of like helping people understand diversity in bodies and what a lot of like Mm -hmm. plus size moms go through and stuff like that. And she says that like, she was telling, we were just like chatting and she was saying, like some guy made some comment on you and she was like, are you kidding me? Like I could bench press you any day. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, like you could. Like that's, she can, she can lift way more. I look at her I'm like, there. I envy that. She's so strong. Mm -hmm. And like, there's such a difference and she's a healthy woman and Mm -hmm. that's like where her body is resting. And I mean, we need to have those conversations Mm -hmm. too. We also need to be okay with those who are going through seasons where they're unhealthy. You know, when I was at my thinnest, I was at my unhealthiest. Mm -hmm. And you know what? When I was at 225 and at my heaviest, I was unhealthy too. Finding that balance in between and also honoring the progress, Mm -hmm. there is no destination that we're looking for. You can wear a bathing suit at any point of the Mm -hmm. journey. We don't really need to keep on with this destination addiction of, you know, when I get there, that's mm-hmm. that'll be happiness. And when I get yeah. here, that'll be happiness. Like it truly, when you start to own your moments and own your mm-hmm. days, that's where happiness is. Yeah. You're missing it if you think it's somewhere else. It's all yeah. right here. I, I appreciate that you had brought
1: up earlier the, um, the two big moments where like there's really an emphasis on weight for women of their wedding and mm-hmm. having a baby. And even one of my girlfriends right now is uh, recently engaged and looking at wedding dresses and, you know, finding she doesn't really like anything cuz she just yep. thinks she looks fat and her boobs look too big and and bridal and, sizes are messed up. Yep. They're and, like all 5 sizes bigger than you normally are. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, trying to figure out how I can support her in that with, you know, appreciating where she is at and finding herself beautiful, but also knowing that there is so much pressure just around even this one day of her life and I often find that so much of what we struggle with physically is really, uh, actually just a manifestation of what we're struggling with emotionally and Mm -hmm. mentally. Um, and so I'm curious for you, like, I always like to say, you know, I like to take care of my mental health. Like I would my physical health, you know, like you go to a doctor, like you go to your therapist or whatever. Um, and I'm curious for you, you know, as we've talked so much about the kind of physical transformations and the journey with everything, um, with, with our body of what that's been like for you emotionally and, um, you You mentioned you know kind of this like reframe of your mm-hmm. of your um negative self talk around your body, yes, but i'm curious what other kinds of
2: tools you 've been able to use to get to this point, whether that was therapy or yeah, therapy was really good for me it was um kind of midway through. My season of weight loss and divorce and I remember mm-hmm. sitting in that room and I was just like going through like a lot and I couldn't even say a sentence without starting to cry. And it, yeah. I had learned in that moment that I had been suppressing a lot for a really mm-hmm. long time. I'm a very good actress. Like yeah. I can, well, I thought it was, apparently a lot of people mm-hmm. knew I was not okay, but I was really good at, you know, pretending and mm-hmm. and it kind of convinced myself of it too. So through therapy, I actually learned that I was suffering from post-traumatic stress. Mm. And uh, I had been suppressing a lot of what was happening Mm -hmm. and it was coming out in these like bubbles because as I was getting healthy, as she explained it to me, as as I was getting healthy physically, there was also a lot of like mental health that was coming along with it too. And it was starting to like bubble up Mm -hmm. and you know, you can't... You can't really just focus on one facet of it. You can't just say like, "Oh, I'm going to get my body healthy" and not think about getting your mind healthy because uh-huh. it doesn't really work that way. So it is truly like a, like a working unit. That's what mm-hmm. we are. That's what we're made up of. And uh, coming through that, it just really helped me to. At first, it made me feel like a crazy person, but then mm-hmm. in time, it really helped me to understand myself a little bit more, create a lot more awareness around why I was feeling certain ways, what was causing those feelings, and you know, mm-hmm. dealing with them appropriately. I still, I don't deal with PTSD so much anymore. Mm-hmm. I do still struggle with anxiety, especially around my hormonal cycle. I get yeah. like a really big peak in, in anxiety. And I often have to like just remind people in my personal world that it's coming because mm-hmm. it's very crippling when yeah. it comes. And And for me, it's often uh, like my whole chest feels compressed. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's been really important to me to kind of be very honest and real about it Mm -hmm. because the more the fact is like mental health is actually incredibly normal just like Mm -hmm. all of our bodies have health all of our minds have health for one person trauma might trigger something and for Mm -hmm. other people they might be totally okay moving past it we all have different varying degrees of what affects Mm -hmm. us but when it comes to actually speaking to my body and how it started to play in there it was a lot of it was an awareness of my thoughts and just like understanding that I did still have some sort of a choice and a Mm -hmm. control over it. I refer it often to walking away from a mental bully. Mm -hmm. If you, when I look at my kids and they're talking about, you know, somebody saying something mean to them, we would tell them to walk away from that conversation, not engage with it, but walk away. And so I apply that the same as when I'm starting that same conversation to my mirror, you know, the same way as I look at my daughter, I would never speak those words to her in Mm -hmm. her body. I'm somebody's daughter. Why am I okay with speaking them yeah. to myself? So I started changing a lot of my mindfulness around mm-hmm. what I was saying yeah. internally and again, what I was taking in. So making sure that I was uh, I was surrounding myself with really good messages and making sure that I was hearing the right things that empowered my thoughts as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you can touch a little bit if you're open to sharing some of what those things are that, that trigger that anxiety or when you were in therapy and working on that, um, and those things were coming up, um, and figuring out how you felt and why you felt that way,
2: if you're comfortable to share any of that? Yeah. Um, a lot of it was just knowing that I could have grace for myself in that. Like it was okay. A lot of these things were not my fault. And mm-hmm. it was a reaction of my mind that I was mm-hmm. going through that. I don't often share about what the exact incidences that caused the PTSD. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is I don't want my healing wounds to be a wound created for something like my children who mm-hmm. were active around and are going to hear these messages and things, Mm -hmm. I want them to understand that we do not have to answer the questions in order to have healing. Mm -hmm. It can be a very personal journey and I think a lot of times when you talk about anxiety or mental health and depression people are like, but why? Like, What's causing it? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just the validation of we don't really need to say why. It's just the fact that we're going through it and we need Mm -hmm. grace. We need to give it to ourselves. We need to give it to others. And I think the more we educate ourselves on how to be supporters in those, Mm -hmm. we just become better friends. We become better people and For me, it's just been... I know, like, it, it evolves all the time, but mm-hmm. a lot of times it comes right back to just giving myself grace and healing yeah. and uh, being okay. Like, yesterday I was a freaking mess and I was like laughing because I was like, it's so predictable. Like, I'm mm-hmm. so premenstrual, like anxiety and teary and all these different things. And my son was like, oh, do you have like your period coming? And I was like, I do. And he's like, so that's why you're crying. I'm like, it is. <laughs> like, we have such an open mm-hmm. conversation about like, this is so normal. Like, don't yeah. feel crazy about these things. It's okay to feel sadness. I love mm-hmm. if anybody's ever struggling with mental health and you've not watched the movie Inside Out, mm-hmm. it is so important. It's a great movie. Because yeah. it honors like our sadness mm-hmm. and the fact that like just because you're sad doesn't mean you can't experience happiness. And just because you're happy doesn't mean that you just never experience sadness either. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of... um Guilt around when you, uh, I think for me now especially because I came from being a little bit more of a have not into being somebody mm-hmm. who's a have, I struggle a lot when I when I'm feeling anxiety and depression that I why what gives me the right to feel this way? I have so many blessings I'm not allowed, mm-hmm. but the fact is we are all allowed. Like I said, it's not the pain Olympics. We're allowed to have these feelings. We're allowed to be validated in them, and then we're allowed to have grace and you know yeah. the ability to heal. But I can't like. It's funny because I didn't do a ton of therapy. I went for about six months, but even though six months have given me tools that have led the next 10 years of my life for sure.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I think that can be very healing for people to understand and honor that they might not be willing yet to share what mm-hmm. specifically they're going through, but yep. to just communicate that they're going through something. Yes, And Brene Brown is like one of my favorite oh, people. I just heard her speak and
2: she's so good. She's one of my
1: favorite people ever. And one of the things that I very much appreciate about her work is that um, in practicing being vulnerable and in putting yourself out there, she very much says, you know, not everyone has earned the right to hear your story. Yeah. And like for your own sanity and health, you know, Start off with just sharing with those people who you feel have really earned that right to hear your story because your story has so much value. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's not um, something that you necessarily need to share with people who maybe just want to know because they're curious and they just yeah. want to know, you know? It's
2: funny for a while, if you Googled my name up beside it came divorce, like mm. Sarah Nicole divorce, Sarah Nicole, like, ex-husband, Sarah Nicole, like why divorce? And I was like, oh yeah. geez, like it was really, really hard to like kind of have that, like everyone's just Googling for an answer and I'm just like trying to protect mm-hmm. my kids. Yeah, And, uh, you know what? They, they deserve, a they, they deserve to have some privacy about things like that too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's a respectful conversation. I also love that Brene Brown talks about when she talks about the arena mm-hmm. and like oh yeah unless you're like in there kicking ass like alongside yep. each other, you don't get to really have an opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's so important too because like there's there's those who have been really close who know my story and support it fully. And for the rest, the opinions can come and they can they can have a say, but it doesn't mean I need to listen to it or hear it. Yeah. And yeah, that's really important I think Mm -hmm. because we and it also is important when we're thinking about other people's stories I'm the same way like I saw somebody recently who's going through something very vague online and I'm like what is going on but then when you see your friends going through, especially relational stuff and like huge yeah. relational changes and you're just like, damn, like they're just getting slaughtered and you know what's going on and you're like, you just want to like wrap them up and hug them and like protect them from all of those questions. Like I had a friend the other day who like, she's went through a really brutal breakup that was not her choice. And somebody was like, well, if you had just lost like 20 pounds, he probably wouldn't Ooh. have left you. And I was like, oh, I want to kick them so hard. Oh, that's so it's bad. so bad. But like everyone has- wow opinions right and yeah sometimes we should keep them to ourselves people oh my (laughs) My My gosh but you gotta learn I also learned recently that apparently you can buy negative comments on Instagram what so one person can literally not like you and they can buy a robot <gasps> liking machine or like a machine that just basically comments negative things. It's actually probably a real person but regardless wow. I found that one of the real housewives had posted about it and I shared it because I was like they, I, I realize it makes us feel really crippled about society and We're like how bad have we gotten that we're literally paying for bad comments yeah. but it's also a nice reminder that you know what these actually aren't real people like sometimes I think it makes us really disheartened when we mm-hmm. see people comment a lot of these negative things even on celebrity accounts yeah. but it's also important to remember it might be one person that has really bad budgeting and mm-hmm. they decide to spend $200 on like negative comments on a celebrity yeah. they don't like.
1: Well, and again, Brene, I say this on almost every episode that, you know, she says we shame and judge people in areas where we feel shame and judgment. And, yeah. you know, that's totally true. Oftentimes when we're um, shaming or judging someone else, it's because we're actually projecting that insecurity that we feel
2: onto them. Oh, I, I completely agree. Oh my gosh, this dog right now. <laughs> it's, it's so true that we... Yeah. We often do project. A lot of times that's why I think it's really important to have awareness about Mm -hmm. where your self-hate is rooted from. When you're seeing something else and you're participating in a conversation, if you are feeling bad about it or it's it's making you triggered into different negative thoughts, like sometimes realizing that it is a reflection. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a reflection on you and sometimes it's a reflection of them, but it's important to honor it either way and make choices around Mm -hmm. that. Um, I often like, a lot of people will say when things come, you know, like hurt people, hurt people. And I like to remind people like, that's so true. And it's important to have empathy that people are coming from a lot of pain, but it's also important to know that, you know, just because they are hurt doesn't make you a punching bag for their hurt. Exactly, And that's also important. And and listening to um, Jonathan from Queer Eye, his Mm -hmm. podcast, when he talked about toxic stress and, you know, he had a brain psychologist on that said, you know, when we engage with that toxic stress and that toxic negativity, it actually causes brain trauma to ourselves. Mm -hmm. It causes an injury. So... If we think about it that way, it's like no, just well. Somebody said this the other day. Just block them and bless them, or bless them and block them. Like (laughs) move on. Like it's it's sometimes not worth causing Mm -hmm. ourselves that anxiety and that stress and that um, brain damage. Just move on. Just move away from it. If it's if it's not there for you, like Mm -hmm. it's okay to. And I always felt really weird about that because I thought, you know, you go on social media and everyone's just praising each other, and you're like, well. This, is, this isn't this is reality either. Life is a little bit harder than that. So I like yeah. to leave up the negative stuff. But now I've realized that, you know what, I would rather live in a positive environment than allow mm-hmm. those negative comments to kind of take any type of hold because mm-hmm. they, they affect more than just me when somebody reads something like that. It affects yeah. a lot of people when they're reading that too. And then it ends up being this big, massive conversation around like, well, how dare you? And like, who do you think you mm-hmm. are? And, and and that becomes something I don't want to create well, either. and and
1: I imagine too that if someone's commenting something negative on one of your posts that the women that follow you and can see themselves in you also maybe unconsciously even feel like it's an attack on them as well.
2: Of course. If you've related to somebody and you follow them and then you see them being attacked for their body or for the way that they live, it it can really... Take on a new beast when it mm-hmm. affects the other people that are taking that on as well, so I think it 's important when we 're making comments yeah. to remember that it 's not just that one person we 're speaking to is actually their following and the people that look up to them and relate to them it can be mm-hmm. It can be really challenging
1: yeah yeah it's it's very interesting for me to like experience and talk with other women about how their bodies are portrayed online and um, I did an episode with uh, my girlfriend, Sarah, who's a photographer in Seattle and she's a huge advocate for body positivity. Um, and, you know, it's it's interesting because she'll comment on, or, you know, she'll send me a message if I post a photo in a bathing suit, you know, I'll get a lot of shame and judgment around being a therapist and that that's so inappropriate of me to be in a bathing suit as a therapist, whatever. And- um, <laughs> I make those no dice. Yeah. You better not be human. <laughs> it's silly. Um But then if people, you know- um just the comments that I'll get on my body versus if she were to post a photo in her bathing suit, the comments that she would get. Um, and it's it's hard. I feel like because there's all these weird messages that were sent about what is beautiful, um, about what is healthy, mm-hmm. that just all these different things are projected at you. And for me, one of the most important things is like, I can read your comment, I can see it, but like, I'm not going to absorb it and like yes. take it on, um, that I'm not going to allow that to become a part of my self-talk. Yes. Um, and I think it's it's interesting the debate around like, you know, do you leave a comment? Do you just block the person? And there are definitely times where I take someone's comment and I use it as an example to have mm-hmm. a little bit of a teaching moment. Yes. Of like this is not okay to talk to people like this. And yeah. um, Actually, I think you're very wrong in this. And in a way it... it it allows me to like stand up for myself in a way yeah. that feels very empowering. And then there are other times where it's like, yeah, you know, this. there's absolutely no point in, you know, even engaging with this person. No,
2: <laughs> I know. It, you can tell when somebody is asking a question or making a comment mm-hmm. genuinely and when it's worth having that conversation. I also find like usually it triggers some sort of anxiety at first and a lot of anger, mm-hmm. but eventually it always settles me down to a place yeah. of m- knowing my fight and knowing mm-hmm. where it is that I'm... I should be speaking. And sometimes yeah. it does give me like those teachable moments. Mm-hmm. Maybe not for them, but for me, it reminds me of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Yeah. When you post something like your body and and some guy shows up saying like, oh, cottage cheese, anybody? I get so mad and I want to say something, but then I'm like, no, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing yeah. because we're changing the conversation. And you know what? It's making some people uncomfortable and mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Yeah. So, you know, those hate messages can... And like, even for you, like, you, yeah, you're a therapist and you're wearing a bathing suit, but like... Why do you get to strip yourself from the same opportunities of everybody else? And why do Mm -hmm. other people feel like they get to objectify you in that way or make choices for you? Like, and one thing I think we all need to remember is that regardless of your stance on body positivity and body confidence and all that stuff... The best thing we can do is honor each other's choices and mm-hmm. our authority over our own bodies, and how that really looks different for everybody. Yeah. When they choose self love, it might look completely different than when mm-hmm. you choose self love for yourself. Yeah. And we all need to kind of honor each other's like journeys mm-hmm. with that. And if it's something that you're not willing or able to take in, that it's okay mm-hmm. to kind of like remove yourself from that table and remove yourself from that conversation yeah. until you maybe are. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it, it can be difficult. I can say firsthand, like, even for me, I still find a lot of, like Diet conversation really hard for me mm-hmm. um, because I've worked so hard to kind of remove that as part of my dialogue. Yeah. But I still want to honor that that's where somebody's else in the journey. That's where they're at in the journey because that's where I was a few mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. That's where my mind was. And that's all I talked about. And, mm-hmm. you know, coming through that, it's important. But I also think it's like I have to guard myself a little. And when it comes too much, it's okay to unfollow and just kind yeah. of, and kind of like not a bless them and block them, but just like bless them, support them, and know that your best support sometimes is just like not mm-hmm. engaging anymore and yeah. and that's okay too because we do have to honor our, ourselves if we're going to you know survive this whole thing mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> how do you go about um sharing how your diet is now Um, so it's really easy. I work with a naturopath. So I know Mm -hmm. that everything that I'm doing for my body is actually what is meant for my body. So when people ask Mm -hmm. about what my diet is, I also have a lot of food allergies. So I like to kind of remind people like, you know what, this is what works for my body. I eat gluten-free, I eat a plant-based diet, but that's because this is what's good for my Mm -hmm. body. Please don't take that on as yourself. A lot of people want to know like, what is that secret for, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. And uh, I really try and remind people that he, each of our bodies are actually completely woven, entirely yeah. different. You and I could eat the exact same diet and it might look a, totally different mm-hmm. on how our bodies respond to them, which is why I don't think there's like one vehicle of a diet that works. Yeah. So I think that, and when I say diet, I don't mean like in the weight loss sense. I mean like diet as in like what you're eating every yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Um In terms of like weighing myself because I don't weigh myself anymore, that's a really easy thing. It gave me a lot of anxiety at first. Like I had it Mm -hmm. hit... I used to probably weigh myself like two, three times a day. And I always gave myself like a five pound flex that I was like, I was safe if I was in that five pound flex. Now it's really uncomfortable when that number is like changing a lot more. And Well, and when you're pregnant
1: too, you you have to, like you're getting your weight taken a lot more frequently and there's a lot more of an
2: emphasis on that. For sure. And I actually was like, I would usually not lose weight, but I didn't really gain weight in pregnancies. Mm -hmm. I gained weight in breastfeeding and everybody else was like, oh, breastfeeding for weight loss. And I was like, well, why the heck am I? My gaining weight, Mm -hmm. and all in all, like I went. I think I my starting weight at pregnancies was like 190 pounds, and then I ended at 225 for three kids. That was a pretty reasonable, healthy number. Mm -hmm. There was nothing unhealthy about it. My doctors were never really concerned. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was none of that. That kind of happened, but the message was still there because Mm -hmm. it was still in everything. It was still telling me that I was overweight. It was still telling me I was unhealthy, even though I was like obviously fertile and giving birth and doing all these amazing things and no doctors were were mm-hmm. raising red flags. They were still being risen by, you know, all the conversations around that. So awareness has been so important for me. And as much as I've yeah. never been diagnosed with a eating disorder, I can certainly say that I had some very disordered eating. Yeah. Um, when you hear the words flipped like that, you can kind mm-hmm. of identify with them a little bit more. A lot of shame and guilt around mm-hmm. eating and a lot of like fear food. Yes. Um, it, it, that, that was kind of where more I ended up with. So a lot of times it just comes from like reminding myself that I'm safe and my body mm-hmm. is healthy and that I'm doing what's right for me and yeah. just like honoring that it is so unique to my own body. Mm-hmm. And working with a naturopath has really helped me too because I'm like, recently I went through like a, like a, a weight gain that was, a I didn't. I don't weigh myself. So I could just more tell in yeah. my clothes. I was like, this is really weird because it's very isolated to my stomach area. And I went to the naturopath and it's actually indicative of, it was very symptomatic instead of being problematic. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a problem. I didn't see it as one, but it was symptomatic of something going on. We mm-hmm. started running hormone tests. I go this afternoon, we're, we're figuring out a plan, yeah. but it was so freeing for me because I was like, this is the first time that I'm walking in, not like, how can you fix my problem? But mm-hmm. hey, I think something might be going on and yeah. this is like a, a symptom of it, but it's not my whole story. and I'm not actually stressed out about it. This is where my this is where my body's at. My hmm. body's doing something. My body is changing. Yeah. You know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It might not be a good thing. Let's figure out this little bit of a puzzle. And mm-hmm. it's been really interesting to kind of journey through that and one of the things yeah. that she had me do was like food journal. And so I, she's like, "Are you hmm. comfortable doing that?" I'm like, "Well, I haven't done that for a really long time, but like sure." And coming out of it we realized I was actually under eating. I was gaining mm-hmm. weight, but I was under eating. Mm-hmm. And not intentionally a lot of just like protein bars on the go, yeah. a lot of just like busyness and causing these things. And she really challenged me to eat more. And that was like, okay, this is weird. Like yeah. this is very like a <laughs> counter diet culture conversation to be yeah. having. So I'm I'm such a student of my body and mm-hmm. I'm such a student of, you know, where I'm going and and where this has all taken yeah. me. So I kind of just like to whatever Mm -hmm. that is, just like be okay with it. Yeah, Be okay with that that. change. Yeah. Like honestly, there was a time where I was like, I, we don't know if we're ever going to have like, I I obviously have three kids. My husband has none. Mm -hmm. He is a stepfather to my three, but we've had this conversation of like, you know, do we want to have kids? And when we first were together, I was like, no, I don't want to have kids. Cause in my head, I was like, I don't want my body to change. Mm -hmm. And, uh, now I'm like, you know what? Like, what an honor it would be to have a child with you and what an honor that would be if my body gifted me with that again and, and realizing that like, yeah, you know what? I might gain 50 pounds. But like, what an honor yeah. that would be. I was thinking about it the other day, um, my son's ninth birthday, and I was looking through photos and looking at all these things. Mm-hmm. And I thought about all the scars on my stomach and I thought, I would, if those were like cuts from getting you out of me, if my body was literally sawed in half, mm-hmm. if I gained a hundred pounds, it would all be worth it for a day with you. And mm-hmm. like, when you realize it like that, like we just don't because we forget, we forget what a blessing this all is, what life is and... Uh, When I started to really change the way I looked at even what having children was like Mm -hmm. and and even now being 34 and knowing that fertility isn't guaranteed, Mm -hmm. nor is it for anybody, but... um, just like looking at it and being like yeah it would be an honor it would be an yeah. honor to have a child again it would be an honor if my body blessed me with that mm-hmm. and i'm not going to allow some society some society driven notion mm-hmm. that i need to stay a size 6 and uh mm-hmm. live my days out like that forever cuz that's yeah. not going to be what life's about that's not my yeah. memories that's not my purpose it's just what size clothes i wear and that mm-hmm. doesn't matter
1: yeah that's so beautiful i'm so glad you shared that um Since you brought up your husband, one of the things I want to make sure we touch on uh, before we wrap up is how you've gone about, like, getting comfortable again, or maybe it's still a mm-hmm. process um, of getting comfortable with sharing your body with mm-hmm. someone else. And now that this is like a semi new relationship of yeah. like how you even enter into sex after <laughs>
2: having kids and having and a different body. They're this not way. his kids. So <laughs> yeah. that's even, I felt apologetic. I was like, yeah. oh, I feel so bad that I'm bringing my body into this relationship mm. because You know, you've never been with somebody who's a mom before and I have a mom body and I have a mom vagina and Mm -hmm. I don't know what that looks like and what that means. And I had just negative self-talked myself into completely stripping myself away from intimacy. So to complete disclosure, I wore a shirt. Like mm-hmm. for the first like year, I was yeah. really uncomfortable with my body. There was a lot of like no touch zones, like don't mm-hmm. touch this, don't touch that. I had a lot of comparative nature to his past and like mm-hmm. which is so dumb. I don't know why we do yeah. that. But I'm mean, so typical, even so I think typical when, when you're not struggling with that body image as
1: well. Yeah. Like to have that
2: comparison to of what of course. But mm-hmm. he never created that. He he never pushed, he never tried, he never was like, oh, like disappointed in me or anything. Mm-hmm. He just allowed me to be an And as I journeyed through it and as I journeyed with like being more open, it actually gifted me back my intimacy. It gave me back that ability to feel confident and Mm -hmm. worthy and more so like knowing that I was so worthy of being loved in the skin that I am in, in the body that Mm -hmm. I'm in. It made us a better couple for sure. Mm -hmm. And it also made me really aware that like I would never instill that on him. I've watched him flex like 30 pounds here and there. Like he does it all the time. Like it's nothing because he's Mm -hmm. a guy, Mm -hmm. but I have never changed my attraction to him doesn't change because it's not yeah. what it's about like there's so much more to mm-hmm. it than that we can't yeah. deny that we have you know um, physical attributes that make us attracted to each other mm-hmm. like I think that's part of human nature yeah. but that's not where our connection and our intimacy lies it is so much deeper rooted than that and it's so funny at nighttime usually he'll like I'll make him spoon me because I love mm-hmm. it and there was a moment like last year where he kind of like touched my stomach and then he like moved it away from it and like as you could tell he was like scared to upset yeah. me and I took his hand and I put it back and like held it there and and it was like I don't know like there's there's something so beautiful and so freeing about that. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm like tearing up now, but like it's, okay. it's been so important to kind of share that part of it too. And mm-hmm. a lot of women will say to me like How do you get comfortable with like yeah." your body around your husband and it's like because you deserve that and mm-hmm. like when we understand that like we deserve intimacy and that you know sex wasn't created for like a man's pleasure it was created for both like mm-hmm. that's what it was designed for yeah. our bodies are not on this earth as sacrifices to men's pleasure mm-hmm. we are so much more than that we deserve intimacy the moment that we we see that and we embrace that and even in our jiggly skin that hangs down low and all of this stuff it's uh it can really open us up to a brand yeah. A new form of relationship. And and even though I I held on I held back for quite some time, being at the place we are now mm-hmm. makes it all so worth it. And especially yeah. because I can recognize that the change wasn't in my body, the change was actually in mm-hmm. my mindset and my confidence around it. Because mm-hmm. there's truly nothing sexier to anybody than a confidence mm-hmm. that we can carry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean Even allowing that space for him to touch your stomach in those areas where, Mm -hmm. you know, you've struggled emotionally and mentally is a very vulnerable place to be. And once you sit with that, and once you move forward from some of that discomfort, I mean, yeah, like you said, it makes it all kind of worth it because it creates this whole new connection. And I think that can be really empowering to remind yourself that, you know, that the sex isn't just for him, that this is also for like the both of you. And that Mm -hmm. I think, you know. You can still be sexy. Oh um, yeah! That your body doesn't have to look a certain way to be sexy, and that so much of that can come from your connection and from your confidence.
2: Yeah, it's so true. And I think that the more that we exit ourselves away from uh, having like a porn culture type of mentality Mm -hmm. is really important for men too to represent a confidence in our bodies, Mm -hmm. whether it's showing up in a bathing suit at the beach or however we want to represent it. We're not only echoing the messages to our partners, or future partners, or potential partners. We're Mm -hmm. we're echoing. To like the little boys that are yeah. running around too, or girls, and showing them that you know our bodies are still worthy of this, and mm-hmm. when we do change that dialogue and that conversation, that representation of a woman's body, it's going to help men create a better, a better, um, mm-hmm. an unfalsified version of yeah. real intimacy and what that looks like. It only benefits you both. It mm-hmm. really, really does, and. Uh, yeah it's it's changed a lot for me and it 's funny because still to this day my husband does not really comment on my body just to tell me that i'm beautiful and and it used to annoy me because i 'd be like frank I work like hard and you 're not saying anything mm-hmm. but he doesn't he doesn't and it's it's been actually really really important that he hasn't mm-hmm. he's really uh just calls me beautiful and he's seen so much change in my body even yeah. in the few years we've been together and and uh, he's always just empowered me to kind of like rock it and feel comfortable around yeah. him and i ho- i I hope if there's any guys listening that they really understand that, that they can really be such a game changer in Mm -hmm. terms of like how they can create intimacy with a woman who is in a body that's going to change a million times in her lifetime.
1: Yeah. 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 I'm so happy that you guys have found each other.
2: I know. Me too. And you guys oh my are gosh. here now with this
1: like beautiful blended family.
2: Yeah. It's really, it's really, really nice. Mm-hmm. I, from the moment I saw him, like I literally saw him at work and there was like this, I wasn't interested in dating, but there was this little like voice inside of me that was like, he's important. And mm-hmm. that's all it was. It was, you know, I found him attractive, but I wasn't like looking for anything. And, mm-hmm. and I always knew that he would be somebody who's important. Yeah. And, uh, it was such a natural journey through that when even like last night, Boadum was doing something I don't even know what it was, and Shane looked over at me and he's like, "Oh my gosh, he's my son!" And I was like, "Yeah." Like, and he's like, "They have such a neat little bond." Like he does with Mm -hmm. all the kids. There, it's such a blessing. I feel like our kids are being raised Mm -hmm. by a village of people who love them. And the more that I've embraced that part of the journey, instead of just being like, "Oh, I'm on my own and doing this on my own," Mm -hmm. like, no, I have amazing parents who are very involved. I have a um, husband who's very involved. They have their dad who's there as well. You know, if Mm -hmm. they ever have a stepmom, can't wait. Bring her into yeah. the crew. Let's love on these kids. Let's journey through this together. I'm I'm very excited for the fact that they have so many people that love mm-hmm. them, and I'm very excited that you know our family kind of felt like a magnet. Like we just we were never probably ever thought that we would end up in this place, and yeah. we were kind of magnetically drawn to each other. Mm-hmm. He is bonded so well with the kids and has such a good relationship with them. And I'm freaking lucky. I know that for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, I feel it. It's so beautiful. Um, I know. I mean, I super appreciate
1: everything that you've shared with me, and like your level of vulnerability, not just here on the podcast today, but also on your Instagram. Um, and you have some other things in the works. So, like, if people want to yeah. find you, where where could they find well, you? Well,
2: obviously, Instagram is probably in my best wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. It's also just the connecting hub for everything else. If you yeah. go to the Birds Papaya on Instagram, you're also going to see, you know, links out to my blog or my Facebook mm-hmm. group. And then I'm also launching a podcast. Um, I don't know, whenever it happens, (laughs) we're in production. The Papaya podcast is Mm -hmm. coming out, we're hoping in the next couple months. So I'm really excited to have some just like cool conversations. I'm Mm -hmm. not really letting it be guided by any one particular thing. I just want to have like you, yeah. you, you know, sitting with me now, mm-hmm. I love a good deep dive. So yeah. anything and everything, I want it just to be mm-hmm. inspiring and fun. And I've been really enjoying doing it. So yeah. that should happen soon as well. And the rest, I am just letting it, just whatever happens, mm-hmm. it's going to be a fun little ride. So yeah, awesome. I'd hopefully if anybody ever wants to connect, you, like I'm really would like to get to know more people. Mm-hmm. So I love human connection in a place that is so boxed in yeah. yeah a safe place yeah, yeah. absolutely
1: yeah. yay well thank you so much um, and thank you guys for listening today um, if you guys have any questions or topics that you guys want to see covered you can shoot me an email at it at gmail.com and as always I love reading your reviews on iTunes and you can let me know what you're enjoying about the show but this does it for today um, in lovely Guelph and <laughs> it's been a wonderful wonderful time talking with you and um, I will be back next week and I'll talk to you soon
2: this podcast is brought to you by weave podcast network check out all of our shows including the brain candy podcast I don't get it coffee
0: convos and let's talk about it surgeons keep our hearts beating they do the amazing help save lives and so can you